This is an ad. I don't get it. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to I Don't Get It, a podcast about performance in Edmonton. I'm Fonda. And I'm Paul, and we are uh, proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. We are. Uh, Fonda, we are in the car, driving away from Alberta Ballet's All of Us, the uh, portrait ballet featuring the music of the Tragically Hip. Yes, yes, we got to the car in record time, so we're actually seeing the end of the parkade. Hey, what a a time, what a time. Both of our lives. All right. Well, what a time that show was, Paul. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was uh, wildly ambitious, I will say, as far as a a concept goes. Because not only is it a a, uh, portrait ballet, which is sort of... um, Alberta Ballet has sort of become known for in the past decade, doing these sort of... uh, Ballets set to the music of, of contemporary artists or singer-songwriters of, of repute, from Elton John to uh, to Joni Mitchell, which was the first one. Yeah, yeah, the Joni Mitchell one was almost 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and they've done I'm Sarah McLachlan, Katie Lang, mm-hmm. Gordon Lightfoot was the last one. So they focused a lot on um, Canadian artists. I think Elton John actually is the only one that wasn't... Canadian. Yeah, so and and uh, so with the tragically hip, obviously uh, well known. Not only that, there was a very large concept placed upon it, in that um, the ballet itself is sort of a post-apocalyptic setting. It's sort of set uh, between these two these two warring clans of sort of one is the the light side and one is the dark side. Yeah, um, <laughs> in sort of in the aftermath of some sort of nuclear uh, event. It seems it was like uh, it was Mad Max. Uh, the ballet uh, featuring Pat Benatar and also also <laughs> and, featuring the music of the Tragically Hip. And kind of almost West Side Story too, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen Mad Max, so okay. I, I, wow. I, I... Sorry. I'm so okay. sorry. Um, but yeah, there's... The thing with doing ballets to pop music mm-hmm. is that the music has lyrics in it. Typically yeah. ballet, classical music doesn't have that. So there's this... I don't know. I don't know if it's a necessary desire, but there's this sort of drive to include a narrative, and it also it almost feels like um, any of the single songs could be dropped into a musical, and it's just a piece in a musical. Um, right. In this way, they're of course narrate are uh, weaving them into a single narrative. Mm-hmm. At least I think. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. Um, but yeah, it did sort of like the the arc of the show was made to feel kind of you know very much like your your standard musical two act musical. Right. And in as far as a ballet goes, this one had uh, a lot of dance fighting. There was martial arts training given a lot to, of martial to all the performers. arts. Yeah. It was also a really aerobic dance uh, dance style. Like I think that. Um, one of the one of the other things about doing these sorts of ballets uh, is is that you like most ballet actually is to the music, mm-hmm. and so I think a lot of times ballet, even when they're trying to be really contemporary, they get a little bit stuck in that, um, and maybe don't realize that. Um, you know, yes, just because the the underlying beat is quite fast, mm-hmm. I don't know that all of the movement needed to be that aggressive. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll start by saying this was right up my alley. <laughs> um, 
it was it was sort of like very audacious. It was a little over the top. Uh, it was a little gaudy, um, but I uh, I liked that. I really liked how it all turned out. Uh, as far as uh, oh my god, six 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 kilometers. Six six six. Oh yeah, that's the distance to empty. Huh? Amazing. Huh? <laughs> distance I to empty is wonder. the devil's number. Um, <laughs> that's neither here nor there in this car. Uh, yeah. So I found like all of those elements. Uh, because it was given such a, a, a strong visual sort of identity in that it's this post-apocalyptic world, lots of set, lots of project- projections, uh, lots mm-hmm. of costume that reflected that. Uh, I thought I thought it worked very, very well. Um, and, and the music of the hip, the rock and roll sort of fit that uh, in, in different ways. And sort of for the, for the good side, the light side, there were sort of often lighter numbers or more hopeful numbers maybe. And, mm-hmm. and for the dark side, it was more of the, the rock and roll um, and the electric guitar of the hip um, on on display, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I I really appreciated the aesthetic of the show. The mm-hmm. sides were very clear who was on yes. what side. Yes, you were um, never in doubt. Yeah, and uh, you know, a whole team of wig makers. So on yeah, the like dark five side, wig makers. yeah, on the dark side, they're all in like these like um, elaborate mohawk dread type things. Um, and then on the the lighter side, they have like there's some there's some like beautiful women's hair in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, and the the sides, their movement styles, of course, differed as well. So the um, I think is the Hadrians were the light side. Yes. Um, they their movement was a little bit more classical, more um, more upper in the body, and mm-hmm. and very light. Um, lots of lots of even though they're still doing martial arts, yeah. uh, their movement just seemed you know like much more graceful. Um, right. Whereas the the clan of Hannibal, as they're billed in the in Hannibal. the program, oh, who knew they were evil? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, they really make it very clear. Um, uh, yeah, their their movement was a little more like uh, gritty and and a little more like eighties eighties gang sort of vibe. <laughs> 80s, uh, 80s, like leather jackets and mohawks and like cool, uh, cool aesthetic and like anger and, and <laughs> anger. things like that. They were angry. Well, and, then, and you mentioned Pat Benatar, I and I, 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 I think you need to unpack that for for folks a bit. What did that look like again? <laughs> sure. So there were, um, uh, there were, there was a lot of sort of mixes of styles in the show. We mentioned there was martial arts, there was, uh, of course, uh, ballet, but there were these moments of of movement sequence that felt a little more music video, and specifically like uh not so much contemporary but that like 80s there's eight people um uh dancing in unison of in in some way uh which to me recalls and it's very fast yes and it's you know like yeah (laughs) so there were uh in the visual language of the show there were these sort of sequences of people running uh oh there was so much running yeah yeah (laughs) and it would be this sort of like coordinated uh sort of aerobic um, movement that, yeah, really, to me, sort of felt like uh, 80s music video. Not not in a bad way. Again, sort of fitting with the audaciousness of much of the show. Uh, to me, to me, it was right at home. It was like, yeah, yeah, this this makes uh, a lot of sense for for the world we're in. Yeah. Well, what I think was great was that um, it was the the Hannibal side kind of keyed this this running motif, mm-hmm. and um, and they they did it multiple times. They did it almost for one entire song, um, and then when uh, and and it, they kind of did it lower down, you know, like. Uh, 
staring through the eyebrows, like a little bit more sinister. And then when the light team started doing it, that's when it started looking like an 80s sort of like exercise. Right, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Like it was was much like higher up, better posture, you know, people were smiling. I was like, oh my God, it's Jane Fonda. She's here. (laughs) It's happened. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, you made a, I think you made a really uh, interesting point at intermission uh, that I that I definitely want to pick up. It said um, in the narrative of the show, and sort of camping all of our dancers into sort of the good side and the evil side. Um, and but in some ways, like the music of the tragically hip isn't that black and white. Like a lot of it is uh, more. Uh, uh, I don't want to say ambiguous because I think it's very distinct. But like uh, the the sort of morals uh, of what's being displayed are a little are a little less easy to parse into either side. Yeah, I mean, for me, the hip never felt like good and evil or, or that, you know, that they were really talking about that. It's what, um, so in that way, I felt like this music could have been an opportunity to do something a little bit more abstract as one of their pop ballets, especially even, you know, I, I like the post-apocalyptic world. I, I did, you know, appreciate this kind of um, simple story that was being told. But I almost, I, I kind of just wanted something super abstract and like just great dancing, um, sure, because yeah. like the music for me is enough in this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. How did you feel about how the music was used? Yeah, I think like generally, I think the way they they tried to sort of camp it uh, worked in a, in the sense of it was. Um, Again, sort of like the the good side sort of had more of the like more hopeful or sort of light sides of things, uh, and and the uh, the rock and roll side was sort of attributed to the evil side, where it went a little more like hard into that like Gord Downey whale and the the big full on sort of rock machine. But but yeah, there's sort of um, an ambiguity. Uh, no, not an ambiguity. Uh, yeah, sort of a nuance to their music that that uh, is more human and more back and forth and sort of easily easily camped in that way. Yeah, and I think yeah. It, I think it worked in the show uh, in terms of how they how they applied it. But uh, yeah, in terms of like really looking at that narrative, it's like the music of the hip is a little more. Um, uh, Maybe taken as a whole, it is sort of about, you know, wrestling with your humanity in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, but I feel there's more nuance than just this sort of good versus evil, because I feel like if it was, I feel like if it was the hip writing the narrative, you would have found redeeming qualities in the dark side. And okay. there was just nothing that of that in this. The dark side all has to go because they're, they're actually really bad. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and I'll point out that it was super gendered. The... The dark side were played by almost all men, um, and the light side were played by almost all women. Mm. Um, so you know, and then in the end, there's this kind of like weird sort of fertility mo- like a motif that's going on that I didn't I didn't really pick up on what that was. It it felt like it was only in the second act to me. Right. Um, it was sort of it was sort of like this. There's a child coming, and it's sort of hope for the future. I think in this sort of wasteland of of yeah, of life. because the there's one song where the light side are sort of the women are arguing with the two men who happen to be the leaders, even though most of the tribe is women, <laughs> um, and and it feels like they're arguing about something like having a child because right after that is this dance um one a soloist um i think the character was called a uh, childless mother <laughs> in the yeah. program very uh, really beautiful solo um but it's it, then you know so you start getting all these ideas about like you know in in this post-apocalyptic world there's some issue with 
having children. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And of course, you know, who wants to bring children into a terrible world? I guess that's the thing. I right. don't know. This is, this is the question. This <laughs> yeah. is the question. This is probably a lot more of a theme in Mad Max that I'm just missing. <laughs> well, uh, you should watch Mad Max. I know. We should talk about it in I know. the podcast. Okay. <laughs> um, but overall, overall thoughts on terms of uh, a portrait ballet and, and the music of the hip and, and, and the show itself? Overall, um, I, I, I thought the choreography was great. Um, it's really neat to see a ballet company dance like this um, because they're, number one, such skilled dancers, and number two, you know it's a challenge for them. So, right. like, that's, that's refreshing. You're, you're seeing, like, the fittest bodies possible um, doing stuff that they're not used to. Um, and so I, I always kind of find that interesting. And... Um, in terms of the music uh, and and the um, uh, how it paired with with everything, I really enjoyed the soloist moments the most. The sort of more intimate pieces, mm-hmm. the group pieces were really impressive. We got that great synchronicity of the kind of like the 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 team dance, yeah, dance fighting, so much dance fighting. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Luna Sasaki was absolutely beautiful in the role that she played um and you know and you know really brought it home in the end uh to like a very a very nice hopeful finish um yeah so I mean if I were just to like kind of like vote on the dancing I was like that was pretty good I I did feel a little uncomfortable right off the top that was that was a really kind of wild way to start the show (laughs) I mean the sort of like abrupt sort of going from the following please note the following like uh, 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 role changes and then like nuclear bomb sound and sort of <laughs> everyone coming on stage. Well I think that that, was, that part was okay. I guess I'm, I'm like the first number. It's sort of like the this dark side is fighting amongst itself and oh, yeah, 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 there's yeah, sort yeah. of a weird almost like not crucifixion but it kind of looks like <laughs> that. <laughs> and um, I was just like oh okay I don't and, and because there's no context for the characters before it's, it was very jarring. Right. And I think that for me, I guess that was maybe what I was just kind of like, I was like, the hips music isn't like this. <laughs> right. And I, I guess for me, looking at like the narrative of the ballet uh, that, that we saw uh, and that they used, it sort of was like giving that darkness. Because a lot of the first half is just like uh, a song or two with this group and a song or two with this group. It was sort of mm-hmm. like the first show that like, oh, this dark side is violently evil. Uh, and, and yeah, they all dance really low to the ground, and they're all <laughs> frowning, and they're all wearing black makeup and right. stuff. And, so then we yeah. have a couple songs with sort of the lighter side, but we already know that that darkness is there, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, like all of it was very, um, very athletic, really yeah. strong dancing. Um, yeah, and but yeah, you're just it was it was very easy to see, just kind of like okay, I don't really need to look at the program notes on the synopsis. <laughs> This is right. pretty straightforward. Who's good? Who's evil? Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Paul, you you said that you were, you know, in the pre-show talk, you mentioned that you were a fanboy of, sure. the, uh, of the Tragically Hit. Sure. So how, how did you feel about the whole the whole deal? Yeah, I thought they uh, picked a really interesting mix of music. Like it wasn't. It certainly wasn't all just hits. Um, I mean, they they played you know Wheat Kings and uh, Ahead by a Century and and a lot of very recognizable music but they'd obviously thought about uh, like musically what the narrative of this show is and trying to make sure it wasn't just abrupt sort of pieces and uh, it wasn't a jukebox ballet musical uh, in that sense it was sort of there was a thought given to the order of things and the sequence of things as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I'd, I'd have to agree I think that um, that is one of the strengths of the 
of these portrait musicals is that they pick artists the artists that they use have decades of repertoire behind them so um i mean i think sarah mclaughlin is the youngest one that they've done right um so they they have a lot of music to a lot of catalog to go through to really find things that fit the narrative um and yeah i don't you know I don't know that that's the best way to pay tribute to an artist um, by, like, imposing a narrative on songs that they've already written and given their own story to. So, sure. um, I mean, again, you know, like, the artists are great. On, oh, on this side, sorry. Yeah, it's turning. Gotcha. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I still, like, I mean, maybe, and maybe I'm just still a fan of, like, the Tableau music video where it's just, like, a great song, great dance piece. That's enough. Um, I don't know that I need, like, a whole uh, multi-million dollar set and story. <laughs> and in this case, for me, it was, like, this is exactly as over the top as I wanted for, awesome. for this. Awesome. Cool. Well, <laughs> great. That was all of us. That was all of us with Alberta Ballet. Um, yeah, pretty awesome. Um, thanks to Alberta Ballet for having us again for the pre-show chat. That was super fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what we're going to do now? What's that? We're going to do an ad. This episode of I Don't Get It is brought to you by Yes Painting, a new social enterprise in Edmonton that can help you spruce up your house while giving youth a chance to build a better future for themselves. Yes Painting works just like any other contract painting service. The difference is that the work is being done by young people who have been involved with youth empowerment and support services, which helps 15 to 21-year-olds who are facing difficult realities like homelessness, trauma, addictions, or neglect. Yes Painting teaches business and life skills, pays the workers a living wage, and donates half of the profits to youth empowerment and support services. Yes Painting is making the world a better place, one job at a time. Check it out on social at Yes Painting, that's Y-E-S-S Painting, and sign up for your free quote at YesPainting.com, that's Y-E-S-S Painting.com. Join Alberta Podcast Network on June 7th for Podcasts Connect, a talk fest about the future. This is a series of live podcast recordings featuring That's So Maven, A Branded World, The Work Not Work Show, and Future Chat, interviewing guests about topics connected to the Big Inventures Conference taking place in Calgary from June 6th to 8th. Podcast Connect is free. You just have to register. Our friends from ATB will be there to answer questions about the transformative things they're exploring, such as artificial intelligence, blockchain, and robotics. For info, head to albertapodcastnetwork.com slash events. All right, everyone. Thanks for hanging in there. I am here with our ever-silent producer, Andrew Paul. Yay! Um, and we're going to read you some listings. First up is Terry and the Dog by Colin Doyle. This world premiere by Edmonton Actors Theatre runs until May 19th at the Arts Barn Studio Theatre, starring Robert Benz, Cole Humany, and Marilyn Ryan, directed by Dave Horak. Uh, the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra is also presenting the Great Russian Ballet at the Winspear Centre on May 17th with the Edmonton School of Ballet. Exit the King by Eugene Ionesco plays at the Studio Theatre May 17th, 26th. That is a classic of absurdist theater. You should all go if you can. Um, all right. And also Concrete Theater's Sprouts Festival, which is theater for young audiences, runs May 19th and 20th at the Arts Barns. And then we have the Dirt Buffet Cabaret, May 24th at Spazio Performativo. 
The Finest of Strangers, Teatro La Quintesina, La Quintesina's season opener, uh, runs at the Varscona May 31st through June 16th. And on June 1st, Mercury Opera and Kalina present pop-up pierogi fundraiser for the upcoming production of Carmen in the Badlands. Check it out at London Villas Hub, which is another converted church space on 96th Street. Very cool neighborhood indeed. Uh, there will be pierogies. There will be opera. Uh, Brian Webb Dance Company's Forever 39 season wraps up with Kaj, a new production by Usha Gupta Dance Entourage. That's on June. Uh, that's runs June 1st to 3rd at the Tim Center. And Mile Zero Dance is doing Pina Bosch's The Nelkin Line. This is a free public performance June 2nd and 3rd in Giovanni Caboto Park as part of the Heart in the City Festival. And they're actually doing performances of that all month long throughout June. So it is, um, it's a really famous dance that Pina Bosch, da- or uh, by Pina Bosch originally, that um, communities all over the world have done. It's a, it's a dance in single file. It's pretty interesting. Um, and glad that we'll have it in Edmonton for a little while. Um, so that's all we've got for coming up in, in, the, in the very near future. More things are for our future, so... Yeah, that's all we got for this time, folks. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Go see some shows. And as Paul Blinov would say, bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blinov. Sit here thinking, I love you.